Hello, this is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me, and you can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. And this podcast is sponsored by FHE Health, a substance abuse and mental health treatment center specializing in treatment for first responders' needs, including PTSD, anxiety, and substance use. So take the first steps to a better life today by visiting FHEHealth.com. And today, I want to introduce to you Mr. Steve Miranda, and he is a friend of mine that I have met through FHE Health, as a matter of fact. And uh, FHE Health is is just a phenomenal organization that's uh, reaching out to help first responders through uh, Shatterproof, but not just first responders. They have a program for uh, the, the public, and it's just a good group, so check them out. But this is how Steve and I met. And Steve is going to talk to us a day, today about uh, how our trauma and how the things that affect us um, really, really in ways that they affect us can be utilized to help others as well. You know, helping other people in their addictions, mental health issues, in the families as well. And Steve's going to talk to us a bit today about how uh, he came to do the work that he's doing today. And so with that, I want to introduce to you Steve, Steve Miranda. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me, and nice to talk to you again. Always nice to connect. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a while that uh, you know that we've seen one another. But go ahead and tell us a bit about you know who you are, your background, and and how we came to uh, even just having this conversation today. So right now, I am currently employed with FHE Health um, in Deerfield Beach, Florida. I'm the National Director of Strategic Development. I um, I I handle um, what we call the business development side of the house, um, where I oversee a group of individuals, um, 10 to be exact at this point in time, that uh, go out into the communities to help those that are suffering from uh, mental health, substance use disorders. And, um, you know, my heart and uh, my background is in law enforcement. So, that's how I got to be where I am today. I, um, I know we were talking earlier. I am officially, I have officially been retired, um, out of law enforcement for 12 years. I'm starting my 13th year of retirement. Um, I worked for almost 23 years in the field of corrections, um, where I held a number of positions. The last position I held for approximately 12 and a half years was with the employee assistance, um, unit. Um, I was the director when I retired, um, which we overseen an agency of approximately 5,500 staff members. And then we had a, a multitude of municipalities from police departments, uh, local sheriff's departments, and also fire departments throughout the state that we helped and assisted um, with services that they didn't have. Um, so about 12 years ago, um, 13 years ago now, I uh, was approached about um, a position in the mental health um, substance use field, um, you know, looking to help as many folks as possible and family members that are suffering from mental illness and um, substance use disorders throughout the United States um, from both the first responder world and like you had spoken early, earlier, Um, My niche or niche, however you'd like to say it, was um, dealing with large uh, union uh, um, contracts. 
So I've been doing this now for about 13 years in the um, in this industry, the behavioral health industry. Mm. And um, what 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 led to that? You were talking about um, losing your brother in 2001. Yeah. So um, along the way, I had become uh, part of the employee assistance unit back in 1996, and um, around 2000. Uh, my younger brother, who was also employed uh, by the same department, um, you know, was in the throngs of his addiction. And um, not only was I his brother, I was I was his, his EAP. I put him in a multitude of, uh, you know, a few facilities throughout the United States that had been specializing or were running uh, first responder tracks, um, helping those who suffered from, you know, mental illness and substance abuse um, from the first responder world. And in 2001, um, and next week, actually, November 2nd, 2001, um, he lost his battle to addiction and um, and passed away. Um, so at that point, I ramped up, um, really dug in to uh, the first responder world and some of those stressors that had caused him to get to the point that he was at. He was also in the military at that point for about 20 years um, in a multitude of, of uh, jobs in the military from, you know, special forces and artillery groups, special forces, rose up pretty fast in the rank, um, was soldier of the year at one point in time. So really a militant um, a military, uh, 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 an individual who really lived a military life up until his addiction, which threw him into a loop, um, which he lost his battle. Like I said, I took it to the next step where I dug in and, and tried to find resources throughout the country that would not only assist, um, you know, folks that are going through this, but their family members. Um, he, he left a trail of destruction. So, um, I really dug in and wanted to find out how we not only help those who are suffering, but the, the family members that are, that are um, picking up the pieces. Well, and we talk about the military and law enforcement and first responders in, in general and FHE health, which is where you work. Uh, you have this special program shatterproof, which is for first responders. Um, do you find that, did you find that important, you know, or why, why is it important to have, that kind of a track for people that are seeking treatment. Why, why a separate program like that? Well, it's important for um, the first responder world to, to be amongst like-minded like -minded individuals, folks that are, when I say like-minded, I mean work in the same profession. Um, it's not, uh, for someone in, in law enforcement, um, for instance, we'll take a police officer to come forward and to uh, admit that they have a problem um, to begin with is a, a process um, for a lot of reasons. The stigma that's attached to it, um, we've come a long way, but the stigma yeah. still exists. And so um, to get a, a first responder to open up and to engage in treatment from both the mental health side and the substance use side, uh, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of um, a lot of time to get them comfortable and trusting. So, with Shatterproof, which is near and dear to my heart, um, is the reason is one of the main reasons why I, I'm with FHE Health, 
is it's such an incredible program. We house those individuals together. They do treatment programming together. Um, they pretty much eat, drink, and sleep um, so that they can have that bond to where they're comfortable, uh, com- comfortable enough to open up, comfortable enough to be to be trusting. Um, they know that uh, and learn that there are people just like them in the same profession that are going through the same problems, the same issues, the same, uh, you know, everyday uh, um, addiction problems and issues that they're going through, um, both from mental health and uh, substance use. So very important to to us and to the community itself, the first, first responder community, to get them to um, be in a real comfortable, comfortable, excuse me, Mike, comfortable enough state to where they're willing to open up. Yeah. And particularly these days, right, with law enforcement, this has been a rough couple of years for for law enforcement where the public has really seemed to turn on, on law enforcement officers. And so now imagine if you're a law enforcement officer and you end up in treatment and you're thrown in with everybody that, and let's face it, uh, it's not a real popular profession um, in the community. How how damaging that would be, or detrimental to you trying to get into recovery, right? When you're in in a treatment facility. Well, again, you 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 hit the nail right on the head when you talk about the the public. At least the perception is that the public has lost trust in the law enforcement community. So you take that and you have a, a, a individual who is going through what they're going through, both from a work perspective and the lack of trust or the lack of, um, you know, they're feeling not worthy or they're, they're not being, um, uh, uh, they're looked upon as the problem, not the solution. And so, again, as they're going through their own personal problems, again, because we're all human beings, right? We, we wake up in the morning and we just get dressed a little bit differently. We put on a uniform. Um, you know, uh, if you're a police officer, you're out patrolling the city. If you're, you know, if you're in an agency like you have been in the past, you know, doing investigations and those type of things from even behind the scenes. And even in my world, when I was in corrections, um, you know, I always call it the the forgotten piece of law enforcement because they're hidden behind a wall or a fence. But again, the only difference between us and the, what we'll call, um, the public is that we wear a different, we wear a uniform to work every day. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a difficult time. And that it's such a sensitive thing for, you know, people in law enforcement in the military. I mean, let's face it, when we, we're talking about recovery, and I've, I've talked about this before. Um, if you look at a 12-step program, uh, AA, for example, um, I'm powerless over alcohol. My life has become unmanageable, right? Powerlessness, unmanageability. And, that is a tough sell to give people whose entire careers and lives have been based on the fact that they're not powerless over anything. I mean, that's a trait that you need as a corrections officer, a police officer, FBI agent, uh, military uh, personnel. The powerlessness is something that's not in your vocabulary because you need to overcome all sorts of obstacles in your life. And we understand why that's important in those professions. The problem is that if you deal if you are now dealing with an addiction issue, whether it's alcohol or drugs or some other addiction, it could be a process addiction like gambling, sex, uh, gaming, uh, all, all those types of food, those types of things. And we say you're powerless over this. 
And you need to um, recognize that so you can get well. This is not a profession that is conducive of the idea of powerlessness. Um, You know, I have my theories. I think a lot of people don't completely understand the disease model of addiction, even if they tell you that they do believe it. I think a lot of people don't actually believe that, but it is. And then to have somebody uh, like a first responder or military member go into treatment and really face that, face that powerlessness and talk about that openly in front of a group, that's a difficult time and that's a tough sell in the early stages of recovery if you're going to have somebody that feels that they're being judged by the public in general and now they're in this very vulnerable position and you're going to ask for them to talk about their powerlessness. It's really difficult to get somebody to do that and that's why it's important to have a specialized program where these folks can be with their peers and can show that vulnerability in front of other people that they've developed uh, a trust in and they feel like that that's a safe space. And so that is such a, an important component to early recovery that I think a lot of people miss. You know, maybe your thoughts on that? Oh, ab- no, absolutely. I mean, you know, Shatterproof, mm-hmm. like we talked about, Shatterproof is that, is that program. So the earlier um, in their treatment, in the treatment process, um, you know, that you didn't get someone to engage in any way, shape or form is, is a home run. And when you take someone like we just talked about from law enforcement who has that, that wall built up, um, you know, I like to call it uh, underneath the uniform was the Superman uh, emblem and the expectations that, you know, going to work every day, what those expectations were. And so when, to your point, when you're, you're, you're built up um, in the military, you know, I take it my experience, um, you know, in the, you're built up to be this, this superhuman being, you know, um, in boot camp. And then that process, you know, they're building you up and they're, they're, they're telling you, you know, and they're treating you like a, an individual who's supposed to go out there and conquer the world. And then you're told, um, you know, that uh, you're powerless is a, is sometimes I used to like to say it, you're better off sometimes um, you know, it's probably not the right thing to say, but hitting, hitting me in the head with a two by four, because it, it would take, uh, it would take, uh, months upon months sometimes to break down those layers to allow someone to open up and to admit to something like that. Mm-hmm. So with a program like Shatterproof from day one, you're putting them in an environment with your peers that allows you and, 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 and you can see that, um, you know, because you have, you have individuals that are at different stages of their treatment process that you see them and how far they've come and where and how much they've opened up. And it helps you to get more comfortable with the idea that you can be powerless, right? Cause you're asking yourself that question. You've probably asked yourself that question a hundred times, mm-hmm. but you haven't been able to get there because of your surroundings. Right? So I used to always compare it to, you know, you go to work and you got to be the superhuman being and you come home and you got to be the husband and just dad. And so, you know, the old saying that you leave work at work and, you, and your home is home is, um, I used to like to say it's a lot of BS um, because how do you just flip that switch? So, you know, coming through the door and being just dad and being just a husband um, and then going to work and being superhuman um, is a difficult task in itself. And then having some um, issues along the way, whether they're, like I've said, mental health or substance abuse or any addiction issue for that matter. 
and admitting to that um, that problem that's causing you to again to not be the person that you um, that you want to be is very difficult. Yeah. Now, how many in Shatterproof, on average, how many people do you have at one time in the program? Usually, the average census of uh, first responders is, um, I want to guess, well, I'm not going to guess. It's usually between, I would say, 26 to 32. So, at any given moment, we have anywhere from 26 to 32. Um, lately, to your point, the last couple of years have been very rough for the law enforcement community, uh, for, for the country in general. So let's not just, the yeah. country in general right. is suffering, is suffering greatly from, especially from a mental illness at this time. Um, so this census lately has been really high in terms of our first responder program. Um, the last, I would say six months, we're probably have an average census of somewhere around 34 first responders on average yeah on average and this is generally speaking so any any listener that might be interested in this program you you are generally looking at a 28-day program correct correct we'd like to you know again we'd like to see someone in a minimum of 30 days um just based off of uh you know what levels of care uh are necessary to help treat the individual um, based off our curriculum, um, whether or not they need time inpatient, how much time inpatient do they need from a medical standpoint? Is it a medical necessity? We don't like to start that process until someone is at least has a foundation to where they can participate 100%. So along the way, they might need a detox protocol. They might need a longer stay inpatient from a mental health pers- from the behavioral health mental health perspective so we'd like to see some we'd like to see our our first responders at minimum stay 30 30 days and and one of the other reasons for that is one of the difference with one of the differences with our program with shatterproof especially in FHE is our neuro program and so all of our first responders that come through the door are offered a, a you know all of our neuro all of our neuro um uh, insulary uh, programming, which is a, again, I, from the scientific standpoint, I, I don't want to sit and talk, you know, from the science side, it's, there's better, there's people that are more uh, educated and a lot better off uh, doing it than I am. But what I can tell you is that it, it it's like um, doing EMDR on steroids in terms of how you can get someone to, to manage and help heal their brain a lot quicker. And so one of the things that we really focus on with our first responders is um, participation in the neuro program. Mm. Yeah. And by the way, uh, if anybody's listening to this podcast, we we had an earlier podcast with uh, Dr. Sachi who discussed that a little bit in further detail. So uh, go back through the podcast and, and check out that, that episode and you can get some more detail if that's something that you feel like would benefit you or, or someone that you know. But that's a really good program. And even going on our website and visiting um, our website, you know, fhehealth.com, going on our website, um, there's there's a whole section on our neuro department. And Dr. Dogris, who's um, pretty well known in the industry when it comes to uh, the neuroscience side, um, is is our uh, uh, the individual who runs our program and there's a there's a whole um, section just explaining it in detail and and um, it's very informative 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, as far as the treatment itself, now you're, you're dealing with addictions, of course, but what are some of the other things that you look at with a patient that comes to you? Well, again, we look at we look at getting uh, the patient healthy and whole. So we also offer um, a plethora of ancillary services from massage therapy to a state of the art gym to um, breath work to uh, um, we have a program, uh, a music program that it, it, I was there last week, uh, Mike, and it was uh, a pretty cool experience for me as I was as I went, went into the music program to visit uh, Gary who runs it um, there were two <laughs> there were two first responders in, in the uh, in recording a song and um, one of the individuals who who was uh, who was waiting to to go next to record the song we just started chatting for about 15 minutes and he actually he, he had already recorded one piece and he actually let me listen to it and I, I was floored at this. Uh, he was about six foot four. I want to guess about 240 pounds. Looked like he had been sculptured, um, <laughs> you know, uh, dealing with um, some really, uh, some really tough, uh, some really tough issues in his life. And, you know, got him to us at FHE. Not only was he a, a uh, in law enforcement, first responder, but he had dealt with um, a lot of things personally. Um, with some family members along the way and just listening to his story then listening to his the the song that he had created I was just I was I was floored that um, how much pride he had taken in it Um, he had he had addressed it and the song was written for his his children and um, he 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 said to me was that was the best part of his therapy to this point and um, he had been there for I believe around 13 days and uh, he was talking about the music program. So again, just a little story. But we also offer breath work. Um, again, the neuro, the the massage therapy, uh, gym, uh, state of the art gym. A lot of the first responders most um, continue to work out um, quite often, uh, and when they're in treatment with us, um, we also offer. Uh, you know, some art um, therapy um, and Dr. Saatchi and, and, and her staff who run Shatterproof, the Shatterproof program, um, do a multitude of groups all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's very important. And again, those are groups that are other first responders. And I've, I've been down there. I've spoken to the uh, first responder group before, and it's just a great, great group of people. Yes, that's just for first responders. So again, mm-hmm. the first responders yeah. do do the do do all of their groups together, and um, along with individual sessions, they're all um, doing individual sessions on a need on a need basis. So what that means is, if someone needs um, one individual session with their therapist um, per week, they get it. If they need five per week, they get it. It's based off of the individual and their needs. Um, we like to say, and it's, you know, it's a term we don't, we don't take lightly. We, we meet the client, the patient, the first responder where they're at. And so, um, their, their treatment is tailored to their needs. Now, how about aftercare? Um, are you working so with aftercare, people after they leave? Yeah. So aftercare is, is to me is, um, the most important piece, um, for anybody that's been in the military or been in a paramilitary organization, in law enforcement, the easy part is it's very structured. 
So when you have structure, um, I'm not going to say it's easy to complete uh, a treatment program, but it, it makes it um, easier for you based off of how you've lived your life, especially from a paramilitary organization, you know, to get up and, and follow a schedule. So the after the uh, um, the piece that is most important to me is the aftercare. So what we do from day one is um, every patient that comes to the door is assigned a, a, assigned a care coordinator. And what the care coordinator does is they, from day one, start to set up um, not only the, the piece of the inpatient treatment in the, in the communication with the family, with the department, with the union, whomever it might be and it's necessary to communicate with, they are, they are working on their aftercare plan to go back home and to be successful. So what we like to do is we like to partner with organizations that we're working with to get their feedback to add the uh, aftercare component to our treatment. And um, what we also have is a pretty strong alumni. Uh, I was uh, going to ask about that. Yeah. Piece, yes. Where a lot of the first responders have created and continued to participate in our alumni program um, separately with and separately with the rest of the the folks that have come through FHE, the rest, rest of the population. So they not only participate with all of the, the group, but they also have their own alumni group amongst themselves. It's a pretty strong-based uh, alumni group. Um, unfortunately, and fortunately for some, COVID has um, put a little damper on them getting together as often as they would like, but they, um, you know, like everyone else in the world, Zoom has become a big part of their lives. <laughs> So they communicate, they hold groups, they, they have, they have their, own, um, their own login procedures. It's very uh, confidential. They keep it that way. No outsiders are allowed in. Uh, it's a pretty strong group, though. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's so important. And I think that that's a great message to have. And anybody that's listening here that is planning on going to treatment, has been in treatment, uh, what's important to understand is that your 28 or 30 days or however long you go, uh, that's just the boot camp of recovery. Uh, the real work starts when you leave. Uh, treatment just prepares you for the work that you're going to have to do when you leave and staying connected and staying involved and continuing to work on yourself begins the day you leave. And it's important to get that support from wherever you left, wherever you went through treatment, and then to get plugged into um, not only the groups that that you met while you were there in treatment, but to connect to the community uh, outside of, of treatment and, and encourage. And I know, I know that you guys really encourage uh, the patients when they leave to connect into 12-step groups and, and the larger recovery community, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Again, you're going back home to, you know, to all of the things that you left. And so you continue with your job, you go back home to your, your family. Um, and it's very important and vital that you, and, and again, we try to help and we, we do help um, connecting you to, you know, different organizations, different groups, 12 step groups, um, any type of group that you want to affiliate with yourself with to help you, you know, uh, sustain and grow into the recovery community, but also to um, give you, you know, again, that support 
so that, you know, when you, when that tough day comes along again, uh, that you have someone there um, to, to help guide you so that you can get through the day without, um, if it's, you know, again, if it's substance abuse that you're not picking up or you're not using, and, you know, from the behavioral health and mental health side to help you, you know, process um, what that day looks like. What we try to do and in, in what we've been very successful at, Mike, is is finding those services in, in a lot of these communities or at least the groups. Um, we talk to hundreds um, throughout the year of of folks in the first responder community that have um, contacts in their in their local communities that you know from a a primary therapist to a to an um an outpatient program to a aa meeting to um anything you can think of from the religious sect side anything that you can possibly think of we're constantly trying to build our rolodex of of uh, information for referral partners referral sources so when that uh, the individual transitions from inpatient boot camp, like you said, to going back out into the, you know, the world they came out of, there's a support system in place. So we, we do that from day one when they, when they come through the door of, at FHE, we're already working on um, day 31 when they're walking out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that's, so, that's vital. Getting that follow up because it, it does not end your, because you're not healed. And people need to understand that addiction is not something that goes away. It stays with you your whole life. It's a progressive and deadly disease that you put into remission. You're not healed. And you have to keep working on your recovery when you, you know throughout your whole life. But you, it starts when you come out of treatment and, and staying plugged in and continuing. That's really where the work begins. And what happens in treatment is you're getting the tools and you're being pointed in the right direction to get to the place where you can do that work and get the resources to do that work. And that's something that I know you guys do a good job in um, providing the education and the tools to to make that happen successfully. Absolutely. And, you know, having, having individuals like yourself to connect to who have, you know, done so much, um, you know, work in this arena um, to help those. I like to, you know, my line is those that are sick and suffering, Um, you know, getting, getting contacts from some folks like yourself and and sharing those contacts. Cause a lot of times what we haven't been good at in our world is sharing. Um, (laughs) We, we tend to, you know, we tend to uh, as just, you know, um, I like to say, you go into certain parts of this in the law enforcement community, you know, we're not good at sharing information. We've known that up for a long time now. And there's been a lot of instances that we've, we've Monday morning quarterbacked on in our world that said, Oh, well, well, this department didn't share information with that department or this agency didn't share information with that agency. And so we've never been good at sharing anyway. Um, But one of the things I like to say, you know, again, one of the reasons I retired and, and got into the industry and to help more people was I had the line I, I had mentioned on my exit interview to, to the uh, associate commissioner. When I sat down, I said to him, you know, boss, um, I love what I do and I appreciate my time here, but um, I've been in the shoebox for almost 23 years. I'm going out on a football field. <laughs> and, That's right. And, and one of the reasons I did it was to help more people and to share 
in that um, in the information highway that we've accumulated. So, you know, to any of your listeners that have resources that, you know, whether it's their own or whether they want to share um, some of the ones that are really good that they use, because, again, in this in this community, law enforcement, we all we're always looking for some individuals who have experience and that um, make that transition just a little bit easier for someone to go in and talk to or to latch on to just based off of, again, um, you know, they come out of the same world. Now, that's not a prerequisite because we all know that um, there are some incredible therapists and some incredible, um, you know, uh, agencies out there that do great work with everyone. Um, it's just in, in this, uh, in the law enforcement community, again, and it's, it's started to get better. I've seen it. I've been doing this for 25 years now. Um, you know, we're starting to let the guard down a little bit more. We're starting to, to realize that we're not, um, you know, Superman or Superwoman, that we're not superhuman, that we have feelings and emotions and that we can share them like anyone else. <laughs> and, uh, so we're, we're, we're finding out more and more that. Um, there's even instances where I've found where I've, I've tried to refer a, a law enforcement or a first responder to a likewise therapist, and their answer to me was, I don't want to go talk to them. <laughs> I want to go talk to someone who doesn't know anything about what I've done. Yeah, yeah. So, again, we know that they, they exist. So, anybody that has any good resources that want to share them, um, please, um, you know, either through Mike or um, I'll share my information at the end. Uh, you know, call, email. Um, I'd love to have that conversation. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And you're absolutely right. Not all first responders want to talk to other first responders. I'm actually at the point in my recovery that I'm kind of in that camp now. I like working with the public. I like going to meetings where it's people that are not in my profession. But that takes time. I think what happens is in the beginning, it, it's very, very, very typical uh, first responders who are in that closed world wanting to only deal with other first responders. Uh, that's usually in the beginning. I think in time, a lot of people grow out of that. But it's as you slowly start opening up, letting your guard down, and meeting a lot of people who are in recovery, then what happens is you start finding that other recovery people are your people because that's we, we start sharing that in common as opposed to the profession. But in the beginning, it's very sensitive, and and people just need to be in that safe space or where they feel like that they're safe, and that's what we want to do in the beginning. And there are uh, law enforcement specific meetings, fire specific meetings, and then other you know first responder specific meetings. They are out there. Uh, if there's a listener that is interested in some of those, uh, I I can point you in the right direction. I know Steve can help point you in that right direction as well. But the the important thing is is that you reach out for help and you reach out for that information. And that's what Steve and I are here to do, and we really appreciate that. So, Steve, if you would, uh, any listener that does want to reach out to you for any of that information, uh, go ahead and share some of your contact info. Yeah, so it's, um, you know, it's Stephen Miranda, um, and my email is S as in Stephen Miranda, S Miranda, at F-H-E, F-H-E health dot com. And my personal phone number is 508-951-3685. Again, 508-951-3685. 
And that's smiranda at fhehealth.com, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Well, definitely. And one of the things that, yeah. one of the things before we end, Mike, um, you know, one of the things that we don't talk about enough and one of the things um, I have, I've grown to really um, in this course along, like I said, when my brother passed away is to help the families. And one of the things I, uh, you know, I really want to emphasize is that, you know, for the families that are listening or even for the folks who are listening that have, that are, that, that are struggling with mental health or substance use, you know, make sure, and I know it's difficult, but make sure that, you know, that the family is also getting the help that they need. Um, I know, you know, along the way, not only when he was going through his his um, issues and problems, but for the next, uh, you know, 15, 20 years before both my parents passed away, it was a uh, it was very destructive um, to them in uh, trying to understand, uh, you know, what happened. And so, uh, you know, the next they lived out their lives, you know, wondering um, or trying to figure out. You know, were they were they part of the problem? Why weren't they part of the solution? Why couldn't they help their son? And I think, you know, I, I used to guide them the same way into different organizations, well, whether it's Al-Anon or whether it's also see, seeking help from a therapist or getting involved with a group because there are groups that exist out there that, um, you know, wives of first responders run is to get involved because um, the family's also suffering from the same uh um, same issues and problems, the addiction and the mental health side of things, yeah. right along with, right along with the the uh, first responder. That's very well said, and that's absolutely true. Addiction affects everyone in your life, and if you are someone that is affected by somebody else's addiction, there's help for you as well. And that, and again, those are areas that we can help you in, and um, it it just it just destroys. Uh, addiction is a destroyer of everything and everyone around it but there is help out there and you can get better all right any other final words Absolutely. before we wrap up no i really appreciate appreciate the time and you having me on um you know again um anything i can do to assist um you have my information and uh you know as always it's 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 a pleasure to uh catch up with you you too and, and uh thanks for having me well, thank you for coming on, and we appreciate the support from FHE Health. And I just want to say a little something about them. This episode is sponsored by FHE Health, and FHE Health has been providing life-changing behavioral health services for more than 20 years. They treat substance abuse and mental health disorders in an individualized and comprehensive approach, recognizing the specialized needs for first responder community or for the first responder community. They've created Shatterproof, which we've talked about here on this program, a dedicated program for law enforcement, fire rescue, and similar communities to receive treatment among peers. They are experienced in providing privacy and working with unions for employment. FHE Health is committed to providing the best care experience for our patients, for their families, and for our community. So learn more at FHEHealth.com. So uh, do visit the FHEHealth.com website. Also, Steve's, uh, uh, his email is smiranda at FHEHealth.com. Check that out. A lot of resources uh, reach out to Steve, reach out to me, reach out to them, and uh, we'll. if you don't have an answer for you, we'll point you in the right direction. But as I, I would always like to say uh, for myself, I don't represent any group per se. I know we've talked about some 12-step groups, but there's a lot of different groups that are out there, and we're not representing anyone. We're just telling you that they're out there. Uh, 
So my only purpose in giving this information is to share with you what I've done because it's helped me and maybe it will help you too. So if I've said anything or Steve has said something that doesn't apply to you or you don't agree with it, then just discard it. But try to take any information that you can use for yourself so you can help others as well. Because that's what we do in recovery is we help ourselves along the way and we try to help impart that knowledge uh, to others as well. And so with that, visit my Facebook page, which is Recovery is Possible, and our website, vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. Let me know how I'm doing and let me know if there's a topic that you're interested in hearing about it because we'll have somebody on that can talk about it. Love to hear from you and you guys take care. We'll see you next time.